Hi, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we're the co-founders of The Skim. Welcome to our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. On every episode, we invite smart, inspiring, successful women to chat candidly about what it takes to get to the top, and then what it's like when you actually get there. So this is a podcast about the real stuff, the crappy days, the bad advice, the first big career win, and the people who are there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We started the skim from a couch, and we have only one rule on this one, no BS. Join us in welcoming Ariel K. to the couch. Ariel is the CEO and founder of Parachute. Like us, you may go to sleep and wake up with her product every single day. It puts us in a much better mood. Parachute is a direct-to-consumer home essentials brand that makes it easy to shop for your next set of sheets or a lot of other things now. It's really amazing how it's grown. The company launched in 2014 and now has more than 40 full-time employees. Before launching Parachute, Ariel spent time in advertising, helping companies build their brands, and we're going to hear how she built hers. Ariel, welcome to the couch. Thanks for having me. So let's start at the beginning. You had a stable career. You were doing well in advertising. Why did you go crazy and start your own company like us? <laughs> so um, I, the idea really for Parachute came to be in like 2000, in 2012. Um, I had been working in advertising for many years um, and actually found myself um, really having to disconnect with the work I was doing because so much, so much of it never saw the light of day. And um, I actually had a bunch of friends that were joining or starting their own companies and really saw the work that they were doing, the hustle, the like desire to cancel on every social plan and just be at the office all hours of the night. And for some reason, that was really inspiring and <laughs> interesting to me. Um, but I also have always been obsessed with home and interior design. So I started a home and design blog in 2007 when I was in grad school, and I was helping friends and family decorate their homes for fun. And uh, so when I decided it was probably time to move on from the advertising world, I realized it could be the perfect moment to merge my interest in home and design, do something more entrepreneurial where I could have a bigger impact and um, and just be be like in control of my own destiny. Did you, you know anything about textiles? No, I didn't. So how did you learn that? So I um, I knew what I liked, and I have always had a really strong aesthetic and point of view, um, which is why so many people started asking me to be their um, you know fake interior designer. But um, and so I I really did a deep dive. I mean I. The idea came and then I started learning. I locked myself up in my apartment for many, many months and talked to anyone and everyone I knew in the textiles world. And when I quit my job in February of 2013, the first thing I did was hop on a plane and go to Europe and visited 15 factories. What do you mean you hopped on a plane and like just went to go to factories? Like, I mean, how do you even know what factories to go to? Like, how did you know where to go to? It was a lot of research. So I talked to just about anyone and everyone I could talk to and that would be willing to talk to me about textiles, about importing um, goods from Europe. Um, I was really focused on Europe because for me um, and my background in brand building, I knew that having a really compelling story um, around how things were made would be like a, an effective way to connect with people. Um, and that's like, you know, where the best fabrics are are designed and made. So where'd it was, you go? I went all over Portugal and Italy. I'd like to do that too. It was fun. We should, we should uh, open up skim <laughs> sheets and yeah. we, we, we're there going go. to need to go to Europe. Yes. Um, why did you start with sheets? 
Um, so for me, when I looked at the home critically and was thinking about, you know, the idea was always to build a larger home brand, um, but I really wanted to start small and focused and build a connection and a relationship with my customer. And so as I looked at the home as a larger place, uh, the bedroom kept coming back to me as this really important place within the home and one, you know, you spend a third of your life in bed. Um, so I felt like if I could get customers to say, wow, this is the best night of sleep I've ever had, it's a really strong foundation for a meaningful relationship. What is the best night of sleep you've ever had? Like ever in my life? Yeah. Do you know the best night of sleep you've ever? Had? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking about like if that's the, if if that's what you want to create as a company. Like, did you have a standout? Well, night I where you were I like... lived in Italy in 2004, and I remember that be, that was the time in my life where I think I really realized that linens could be something beyond you know the big box. Did you like, plastic do you speak stuff. Italian? Uh. Uh, no. So okay, <laughs> neither do we. neither do we. Either. <laughs> Great. So you you get off a pl- I'm like literally p- imagining you just like a suitcase in hand, like walking yeah. up, knocking on doors and factories in so Italy. So I went to Italy with a suitcase of clothes, but also a suitcase of every amazing textile I could find um, mm-hmm. as samples for different types of uh, examples of things that I thought were really great and wanted to recreate. I had a very clear point of view of what I was looking for. I'd put together a pretty robust business plan and like vision um, before going to Europe. And, and yeah, like basically showed up at the doorstep of these factories that have been in business for over 100 years with, you know, these Italian Portuguese craftsmen. Right. And um, and they looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, okay, sure, we'll take this meeting because you came all the way over here. But like, definitely, this isn't going anywhere. So why were you, why have you been successful? What, like, what about you? What about your idea? What about you knocking on the doors have made the difference? That's a really good and hard question. I mean, I think for me, I became so consumed with this idea and was so so clear that this was something that needed to be in the market, that there was a real opportunity to build a true business. And I was so passionate about what I was creating that I just like became a different person than I had ever been before. I mean, literally no was not an option for me. I was so consumed. I couldn't sleep at night. I was so excited. I'd never been more, um, you know, like just completely and utterly obsessed with doing something and doing something right. Um, you know, I think timing is also always an important part of these types of experiences. You know, this was 2013 when I was traveling. We launched in 2014. This was really the early onset of the direct-to-consumer boom. And so, you know, we we were able to get into the market when there was not a lot of competition. Um, you keep saying we. So, well, I just, it's like well, the proverbial. Right. So early on, was it just you? Yeah, it was just me. I was a sole founder. Okay. I have a lot of what, questions about that. What okay. is, how did you not go insane? Yeah. How do you do that? I do sometimes. <laughs> and I did. I mean, there were, especially in the early days, I mean, there was like, island of one like I'm just a, an absolute crazy person I mean there were a lot of highs and lows and ups and downs and everything in between um, I mean you guys know the roller coaster of it so, all but we do but we have each other so yeah. like on the days where we're like I'm going to lose it like we make each other laugh or one of us we both don't go crazy usually at together, the same time yeah, so and we constantly say to each other like how do people do this alone so I'm amazed that you've been able to do this alone and really build something so successful like what have been the tools that have allowed you to do that? Do you have like I've got, certain people on speed dial? Yeah, like what definitely. Is... I mean, I've got a strong network of um, of other founders and other people who are entrepreneurial who I can turn to and talk to them. Um, I've got a really great 
group of investors and um, and advisors and people who, you know, are there through the highs and lows and have been great sounding boards and um, and really, you know, had my back and, and picked up the phone late at night when I did think I was about to lose it. Um, I have a really amazing family and friends. You know, I think you really, it's important to know who to turn to at different points when you're having different challenges. Um, and that was something that I think I tried to figure out as quickly as possible. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it comes back to just you. I mean, no one is as invested um, in the business as you are mm-hmm. and as a founder. And so you know, there's definitely been some right. dark moments. Did you launch in New York and then move to L.A.? No. So I, I lived in New York for almost 10 years, and then I moved back to L.A. in May of 2013. I'm from L.A., um, and so after many years in New York, once I decided that I was going to leave my job and start the business, I decided that L.A. would be the place to do it. So I read this article about I think the early days Mm -hmm. of the culture and there was like this really beautiful picture of you getting stressed out and walking on the beach and I was like should we have launched in LA (laughs) like do you think that that and the lifestyle on the west coast and having access to the outdoors well, the idea it. for Parachute really was conceived in December of 2012. Um, I spent the first three months of 2013 all winter basically holed up building this business plan and doing all this research and figuring out how I was going to make this happen. Um, and then I got to L.A. and realized that, yes, that I, you know, I, I knew that it was going to be hard and the fact that I could be outside year-round and, um, and not deal with extreme weather for the most part was very helpful. But I also, like, I live by the beach. You know, I do take walks on the beach all the time. I really turn to the outdoors as a way to clear my head and um, keep me sane. Which is such a nice thing I'm really to have. Jealous, I yeah. know. We talk about We've it. done it all wrong. I know, but we talk <laughs> about it a lot. That in the beginning, we felt like being in a place with a 24-hour culture was so helpful because mm-hmm. you have to have that vibe. And now I think... We did it all wrong. I mean, it, there's highs. I mean, there's there's pros and cons. You know, I'm in New York all the time. Um, when I like raised my first round of capital, I was really, um, I was really, I decided that I only wanted to raise from LA investors um, because I wanted people that I could. Because I was a sole founder, I mm-hmm. wanted to be able to say like, okay, you just invested in me. I'm going to show up on your you know doorstep and like ask for your help. Um, and so, in some ways, you know, there were moments where you know I wished we were in New York and. It's, I mean, there's so like one of the things I remember, especially in the early days, is we would just have these epically long days where you literally cannot articulate what happened. But we would obviously like have each other where you don't even you get to a point you don't even have to speak, and it's like can't believe that happened, and then this, and we like complete each other's sentences, mm-hmm. and then I'd be at dinner with friends or family, and they'd say like, "What happened today?" or like, "What'd you do?" and I'm like, "I don't even know. I can't even explain." Do you have a person and an outlet that you can be like, here's everything that happened, yes. like that you trust implicitly? Sure. Yeah, I do. I have a few people that that do that, and depending on what needs to be talked about, yes. Um, but I had friends like that, too, who I would sit down for dinner. They'd be like, so what do you even do all day? <laughs> and I'd be like, what do you mean? What do You're I like, do I all day? Yeah. In, I in do every beautiful sheets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just relaxing, you know, wrapping myself up in cashmere. It's product testing most of the time. Dan, guess what I had for breakfast? Cheerios and milk, because that's what you have every single morning. Wrong. Eh. I did not have that today. So what did you have? Well, I had, are you ready for it? Daily Harvest. I was going to say that it was definitely something that you didn't have to make yourself early in the morning. 
I find which, that weirdly judgmental, but <laughs> I have been hearing everyone talk about Daily Harvest, and they just totally give you the portions that um, work, so you don't, you know, you know exactly what you need. It has like a perfectly proportioned fruit smoothie for breakfast. It was delivered in a frozen cup, came to my door. All I had to do was add water or milk if you want it to blend it up, and I feel very healthy and efficient. Look at you go! I actually really like it. I like using coconut milk, throwing it in there sometimes. Go to dailyharvest.com. That is daily-harvest.com and enter promo code SKIM to get three cups free in your very first box. That is promo code SKIM for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. Um, so you talked about how you tried to pitch investors and they said you were pitching too early, mm-hmm. which I think is so interesting. We... We sort of did that. We we sort of did that too, and I think it's it's something that people really don't understand. Can you talk about that feedback? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a catch twenty two. It was like I really wanted to launch. I felt like I had everything lined up, um, but as an inventory product based business, you really need capital in order to buy product in order to sell product. Um, And so I, you know, met with these investors who were really excited about the idea, or at least they said so, and they were excited about me as a founder and saw the passion and saw, you know, the opportunity, but they wanted to see progress and obviously I couldn't really get much progress without the capital. Um, So I basically just said, well, what do you need to see for me? And I kept doing things week over week that would allow me to show some progress, whether it was throwing up a a splash page or getting a piece of press or um, doing a bit of research and like, you know, doing a survey, just like to keep showing this proof of concept before I had capital to get product. Um, But it was really challenging because I was so eager and wanted to move so fast. And that was like the beginning of my lesson that everything takes longer than expected. And patience is one of the most important things that you can have as a founder, even though you don't want it. What is the biggest skill set from a business skill set standpoint that you had to learn that you really had no idea what to do before? Uh, I'm a super creative person. And for me, um, you know, connecting with the the customer and thinking about the aesthetics of the brand and the products, that's like my bread and butter. That's what I love to do. Um, I'm not a numbers person. And so that part was intimidating to me for a long time. Did you have anyone help you? Like, how did you get through that? My first hire, which I made, I hired my first employee um, who's still on the team. Um, he at like week three, week four, um, and his background was in finance. And okay. so he basically took on any role that involved numbers and Excel sheets. (laughs) What do you like as a manager? Um, How would your team describe you? I try to be, uh, I I think it's really important to give people autonomy. Um, So I try to be helpful when I can, but also let people really um, be in control of the work that they do. Um, I think I'm really great at inspiring vision and being um, a leader and having big ideas that are totally risky and might seem crazy at first, but end up being you know, really big movers of the business. Um, but I'm I'm close with my team. You know, I really, I admire, I'm so grateful. I try to, you know, celebrate our successes and push people to be um, better. We really invest a lot in employee leadership and, um, and personal growth and education. So, you know, conferences and workshops and um, classes is something that we really pride ourselves on giving people access to. Um, I don't know. I hope people say that they just like think I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> what part of the business do you micromanage? Um, you know, at this point, I don't micromanage um, 
a whole lot. I would say that I'm really involved in the product, the physical product, but um, our head of product is the most incredible person and she, I like trust her implicitly, but you know, I'm very involved um, in those final decisions about what products we're gonna release and when we're gonna release them and what the assortment looks like. Um, but I'm definitely not micromanaging. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't think I'm a big micromanager. You seem very zen. What? You seem very zen. Do we just have to move to the beach? <laughs> yeah, you've got to move to the beach. I started meditating in January. I think oh. that's really had a nice impact. Wait, on, can you teach us how do you do it? Uh, yeah, just you know, close your eyes, take closer. deep breaths. I fall asleep when I do that. Yeah, you I do. Fall asleep yeah. That's yeah. actually my meditation teacher said that's that's good. That in the beginning it's very normal oh. to fall asleep. It's normal to think lots of weird thoughts. All of those things you just get through. It goes along with the brand. Yeah. So, so that's very yeah. Well, we do. I will say that part of the culture at Parachute is really living the brand ethos. So, you know, we um, we keep pretty pretty good hours for a startup. You know, I like to make sure that people are having a life outside of work mm-hmm. and that they're working out and having a good night's sleep and are able to enjoy the sheets at some point, you know, throughout the day. That's interesting, though, given kind of this – you know, moment that we've gone through about sleep and productivity and and having a company that started with sheets, how do you balance that? Like running a startup that we all know is so intensive and you have to sometimes put in those hours mm-hmm. and also having a brand that, you know, essentially is about getting or feeling kind of your best self, yeah, not I just mean, the sheets. Yeah, there's definitely been moments where, you know, I walk into a meeting and I talk about the importance of sleep and then I like laugh at myself inside because I haven't slept in days, you know, and it's like, you know, sometimes it feels kind of funny that that's what I'm talking about. But for me, it's about, you know, it is about taking time for myself. It's about disconnecting. I try to work out almost every day because that is really important for me and feeling good. Um, I try to eat well. Like, I mean, there's just things that I do in order to maintain that balance. And I think those are the things that also help me sleep better at night. I do have rituals um, that I like to, you know, go through. What's well, your, what are your rituals? What's your ritual? Um, well, I like to take a hot shower every night um, because that, like, helps clear the stress of the day. Um, I'm really working on banishing that blue light and, and not being mm-hmm. on my phone as much before so bed. Zen. But that's go not that's not something that I Good always luck. do great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, drinking tea. Like I just try to do a lot of things that are warming and calming like within an hour before I'm going to bed. Um, and I also go to bed early. Like I'm asleep mm-hmm. by nine thirty or ten wow. if I can be. What's your favorite product that you guys make? Ooh, that's a really hard one because I like all of them. Um, I think right now, um, I mean, I wear my robe like day in and day out. Always, always have a robe on in the I, office. We out just of the got office. one with and, our names yeah. on it, and I think that will be my new. It's my amazing. New uniform. I'm also obsessed with our quilts. Um, they're like the perfect weight and texture and feel. Everything about them. Um, the towels. I mean, it's hard to pick just one. I have kind of a random question just going back to the beginning people always ask us about you know where's news going the future of news and it's uh something that we think about but then don't think about because Mm -hmm. we obviously went in a different direction and started a company but the future of advertising has been something that's so debated in so many different ways and that that's what you came from Mm -hmm. and you have to make the decision as ceo to invest in advertising what does that look like how did you think through that given the background that you have um, well, I think for me, I, I knew that storytelling was going to be critical to anything that we did to get the message and to get our brand out there. So um, I never, you know, tested things like direct response, you know, banners and, and 
things that were more static and didn't have the ability to tell a larger narrative. Um, but, you know, like many direct-to-consumer businesses, we started pretty focused on digital um, because that's the easiest way to get people to click through directly to your website. Um, today, we've diversified our marketing mix. You know, we sponsor a lot of podcasts. We really our relationship building business. We don't want to be a transactional business. We want people to know us. We're doing a lot of events and experiential um, type of marketing activations. Um, we're building our stores out so that they can be places where we can host events and workshops and all sorts of things. What do you think, we get asked this all the time, like what's our biggest challenge right now to get to the next level? And I think we say just hiring the right people mm-hmm. um, so that we can go faster. What is your biggest challenge right now to get to the next level? Um, I would say it's a mix. Hiring's always a part of it. You know, having the right people, it's all about the team for sure. But I would say, you know, it's always just a, an awareness play. I mean, we just need eyeballs and we don't want people to touch and feel our products. You know, we're moving into a larger retail strategy so that we can be in all of the cities that our customers are in. Um, but, you know, there's just growth is, is there's lots of... So I want to talk about customers for a second because okay. you... I, from what I've heard about you, you really take your pride in the fact that you have a great relationship with your customers and you really talk to them a lot and get feedback. How do you balance feedback that is helpful and critical? And I think one of the things that like a lot of our um, listeners, you know, will write in or, or ask is if they have a small business, like how much do you listen to the customer versus how much do you listen to your gut or um, what you think is going to be the best decision? You know, it's like it's. It's more of an art than a science. You know, I think you have to kind of, you have to trust your instincts. I mean, we go out of our way. We do a lot of research. We, um, we solicit a lot of feedback from our customers. Like you said, we, um, we've got private Facebook groups where we're constantly asking for um, feedback. I mean, we, our customer experience team treats every interaction as like a mini focus group mm-hmm. as much as we can because we really just want to learn and we want to grow with our customer. Um, I mean, with that said, you do have to... Um, to somewhat, you know, ultimately trust your gut, I think, um, but you can't operate in a vacuum. So it's, I think, having that context and having that research. But you know, there's um, there's biases with any of these kind of studies. I mean, there's, you know, you can't take everything literally. Um, you know, you don't have control over the sample size in the survey, um, typically. So you know, having a business that sells sheets and towels, is there? A piece of random feedback you've gotten. I'm just thinking about like all of the random <laughs> things you could say about things you sleep on or you use. Oh, I mean, yes, we've. I mean, any business that where you engage with people right? from yeah. all over the world, you're you hear a lot of things that are interesting. Um, nothing's really coming to the top of my mind, but we. I mean, we've had people. We've had people ask like get upset because. Our sheets aren't cat hair resistant. You're just like, yeah. That's that's like, what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, like I knew there had to be something yeah, like, weird. Okay, like <laughs> yes, thank you're you. not going to read yes. the sheet lines. Yes. That. Yeah, okay. that's her. I think that's all we have time for today. I think that's it. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you very thank you. much. Thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.